Welcome to the Dallas Film Podcast, the official podcast of the Dallas Film Commission. Throughout this podcast series, we'll take you behind the scenes, peeling back the curtain on the magic of filmmaking. We'll explore the creative process, delve into the art of storytelling, and celebrate the talented individuals who bring these visions to life. Roll sound. Sound speed. Roll camera. Camera speed. And action. Hi, my name is Tony Armour. Hi, I'm Andrew Vella. And this is episode two of the Dallas Film and Creative Industries podcast. You know, I feel like at some point we're going to come up with a, a better title than that for the podcast. Yeah. But for now, it is what it is. We're going to keep rolling. But uh, all that being said, we are excited today to have uh, our first guest to the podcast, considering it's episode two. You know, hopefully uh, didn't didn't scare anybody off. And no. so today we've got uh, we've got Michael E. Brown. Michael is a line producer, producer, director, writer, a little bit of everything in the industry. He's been uh, he's been working his butt off over the last couple of years, doing a lot of projects. A mm-hmm. um, couple of projects uh, coming up: uh, the storied life of AJ Fickery, and uh, recently the Hating Game are a couple of films that uh, that he has worked on that come out. And then uh, coming up later in 2023. A movie, A Taste of Love, that Michael uh, wrote and uh, directed with his uh, business partner and creative partner, Conrad De La Torres. Michael, welcome to the show. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. Yeah. So that was that was kind of like a brief little intro that we that we gave or I gave uh, for you. But why don't why don't you tell us a little little mini bio, a mm. little something about yourself? Um, I mean, you know, so. Born and raised in Florida, which has a lot to do with, I think, my career path in the film industry. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot of stuff that's taking place on the regular here. And so I think everybody that wants to get into the movie business uh, kind of does whatever they can uh, until they figure out their own way to uh, get their foot in the door. And so, you know, uh, started out doing small commercials uh, with a DSLR camera and, um Went to school at the same time. So, excuse me, I got a little bit of a cold, but uh, you know, and then I went to film school and uh, met actually Tony Armour there, um, and um, you know, and developed a, a really good relationship with him. Um, and then slowly but surely, kind of started a, a small company and got uh, you know, more into the commercial space for a little while. Um, and landing clients with Verizon and a couple other uh, you know, pretty big companies um in the local area. And that kind of transitioned into the opportunity to partner at a company called Digital Caviar, um, uh, founded by Todd Yontek. And uh, he wanted to do uh, films, uh, which we all did. And so we kind of just came together and started focusing more on the film aspect of things. So we made a little film called Crazy Lake for like $30,000. Um, shot over 16 days and it, and it was everything that it should have been. It was a cool little project. And, uh, that opened up the door to, um, bigger films, uh, particularly down the path of production management and line producing, which is like my bread and butter, what pays the bills. Um, but along the way, um, you know, kept on writing and, uh, had the opportunity to write and direct a project called the taste of love recently. Um, that shot in St. Pete Clearwater, uh, and and we're in the process of selling it right now. And so that's kind of where you know um, where I'm at with everything. And line producing is what I do probably two to three times a year now, mostly out of state, not in Florida. Yeah, and so and so it's interesting. So your career path, you know, I think mirrors a lot of people in industry in industry mirrors mine to a certain extent as well. Is that you just kind of get started and you just start 
making stuff, you know, commercials and music yep. videos and, and whatever else. And then you slowly kind of, you know, build your way up into, into, into feature films. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, and it's, it's, I think it's hard to tell people sometimes to be patient, you know, that you just ha- literally have to put in the time, put in the work and do a good job and you can grow in, grow in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and it's interesting because, you know, you look at states that, um, you know, that, uh, are union forward and oftentimes people's introduction to films is via the, you know, via IATSE or a crew member position. Um, and so their path into the industry, um, you know, kind of goes down that direction. And then here, uh, you know, or non-union states, you kind of like have to be a little bit of a jack of all trades and like, and, and kind of do your own thing, which is, you know, it's a blessing and a curse. Um, but it just kind of opens up the door to allow you to see just the many facets of making movies and what it takes to make it happen and, and cutting your teeth on a lot of smaller projects. Um, and hopefully you can make the transition into, you know, bigger films, um, you know, quote unquote, you know, proper, like more industry standard films with bigger budgets. Yeah. And, you know, Texas is very similar to Florida in that respect, in that it's a right to work state. And so, of course, you do, of course, have the unions here. And when you have a project that, you know, anytime you're over a million dollars on a on a film or a project or something, you, you're shooting union. You know, it is what it is. Yep. You're not, you're not yep. going to be able to do it under that. Um, and if you're right. shooting under that, you know, you're shooting low budget, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollar, thirty thousand dollar films. You're clearly not going to be using union crew for that. So, you know, you mentioned right. that your bread and butter is as a line producer. Uh, so I imagine maybe some people that are listening don't know what a line producer is. So why don't you why don't you tell us what what do you actually do as a line producer? Episode one, when we had to explain what actually a film commissioner is mm-hmm. and what a film commission does. <laughs> what does your day to day look like? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's interesting, uh, a line producer is the equivalent, and I don't know if I'm going to do any justice, I'll, I'll regret, digress before I come back to it, but is equivalent of like a contractor. So my job is literally the main producers hire me to come in on board and, and literally build the entire project, uh, from financing, uh, working with them, they'll, you know, acquire the financing, but I put the budgets together, make sure that financing is all, everything's lined up on the paperwork side. I start the company. I, you know, I've, you know, bid out insurance, everything that you could think of to start the film, production office space, et cetera, and then manage the project to make sure that, uh, you know, if the, you know, everybody's on track that the, but that the film stays on budget and on schedule. So you're the guy that's controlling all the money basically to making, mm-hmm. making sure everything flows properly and that you don't end up over budget when you're when you're shooting correct every every you know the every single vendor that comes on board is 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 negotiated by my position or production manager sometimes you know i collaborate with them i hire a production manager but oftentimes the bigger deals specifically and all of the crew deals and everything like that um are at least they're you know put together by me and negotiated by me and or at least approved by me even even the actors um uh like larger actors deals um are ultimately approved by me making sure that they're on budget and if obviously they're not on budget then there's somebody above me that says hey we're we're willing to make that happen but um i have to make sure everything's everything's falling in line with what we've all agreed upon financially well, that's uh, that's mm-hmm. kind of a that's kind of a big deal. That's kind of an important thing, mm-hmm. um, because if you don't spend your money properly, 
on a shoot, your shoot that your shoot's not getting not getting made. Um, yep. So there's so you know most recently the two films you you've worked on most recently were the Hating Game and the storied life of A.J. Fickery. Why don't you tell us uh, just a little bit about those two particular films, and maybe I can, I'll can i drill down and ask you a little bit more on the technical side of stuff. But tell us about, about those films, getting those films made, and sort of where they're at. You know, They've been released now, and kind of what's going on with those. Yeah, yeah, and actually, I, I, a more recent one that I just finished up with is in post right now, which is Which Brings Me to You as well, um, which, um, you know, uh, all three films are for a company called BCDF, um, managed and owned by Brian Keedy and Claude Delfara, guys, uh, and uh, really have a solid business model. Um, one of their projects, by the way, which was uh, to to Leslie, I uh, just they got nominated or was nominated for a Best Actress. Um, so you know they got a really good thing going on over there. But um, so yeah, I mean, pretty much um, <clears throat> all three of those projects uh, similar in 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 the business model in which they were based off of a best selling book. And um, that was adapted to a screenplay. And then from there, um, they worked with a company, um, and we'll get into the specifics uh, from a sales side of things to land a, a specific number of which you know we had to make the film for, um, all three films. And so essentially what happens at that point is once, those, once that number is established, then you ultimately go out and you find financing via private equity um, slash debt or you know, working with a bank or something like that to finance the film based off of that number. And you know everything at that point just needs to fall in line. Um, you don't get more money. It's not like, oh, you know, we're a big studio. We know and over by a million dollars, you know, can we go? It, it doesn't happen. Um, and so oftentimes these films are bonded, which is a completion bond. And, you know, you get uh, you have insurance to make sure that they don't go over. So it's a very specific process um, in making sure that they happen on time and on budget. So and a quick note uh, to Leslie, the film that you just mentioned mm -hmm. uh, is actually about uh, takes place in Texas. So well, a little shout out for Texas there. West, what, what town? West. Yeah, West, west yeah. Texas. So it's not Dallas, but that's all. That's all good. You know, this yeah. is this is uh, we're all we're all about Texas here. Yeah. What's going on? With <laughs> Mike that Mike smile crazy. at me and be like, "You're the Florida guy." When you're talking about Texas. <laughs> He's like, a Texas. I'm guy Texas now, now Mike. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all grown now. up, Tony. You're all grown up. I remember <laughs> when you Tony, were in St. <laughs> Tony is what the locals call a Dallas site now. A Dallas site. I don't know. I've only been here a month and a half. It's maybe maybe not quite. But you've experienced heat, cold, ice, and a little bit of snow. <laughs> you know what? I have, we haven't hit that 100 degree heat yet. I haven't. Oh yeah. I haven't done That'll that be yet. Brutal. So we'll uh, we'll wait and see. I might have to go on vacation that <laughs> those three months of the uh, those three months of the year. Um, so, you know what, you, something that you mentioned that I think is, uh, is really important is, you know, there's no more money. Like if this is your budget, okay, your budget is $4 million and you're at 3.9 million and you've got, you know, however much left to go, you can't get more money. You're not squeezing more money. There's no studio to get. What do you do in a situation mm -hmm. where, cause obviously you don't, you know, come onto the, you know, with the last week of filming and realize that you're out of money with a week to go, you know, if you're a good line producer, which I know you are, you're, you're not you're not getting to that point in the project where you're you're all out of cash. So you know you're going to see that ahead of time. You know you see that a few weeks out, a month out, whatever it is in pre production before you start filming. What do you do when you have to have that conversation with the director or the the producers or the financiers and say, hey, this is uh, this is the money that we have, but 
what you want to do, we can't do with that much money. How do you, how do you right. handle that? What happens when things go bad? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and every movie is different. You know, it's not a carte blanche. Um, you know, you don't get more money, but oftentimes it is. And in those scenarios where you don't, you know, like you, you just, it's just not an, even an option. <clears throat> it's not a very fun conversation because you start talking. The only thing that you have to do, it's left to do at that point is start cutting uh, creatively um, whatever you can that's going to cost money. And so, you know, should you arrive at that point um, where it's just not going good, uh, usually a contributor to that, if it was a good budget to begin with, is like, you know, you weren't making your days or we were doing a lot of overtime because, you know, the day just wasn't going as planned, that kind of thing. Um, then you, you literally have to go into the script and whatever's left, figure out what you can take out without absolutely butchering the movie. And it involves a lot of big decisions between financiers, producers, and, the, you know, the creative director um, to see and how to make it happen. Um, and sometimes there's, there's scenarios in which it doesn't even matter creatively if it makes sense. You just have to do what you can to finish the movie and hope that you can edit it together at the very end. And that's the worst case scenario. Yeah, and that's, and that's really interesting because so many times, you know, you see a movie and you're like, man... This had these actors, it had this director, you you know, how did it turn out so bad? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or it's like the, right. the ending fell off. Maybe this is why. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. The budget fell apart. <laughs> yeah. End. Like it was so good up until, yeah, the last 15 minutes of the film. <laughs> what happened to this thing? Right. Yeah. I, I'm, there's so many times when I look at like, usually like independent films um, and I could, I could tell when a movie like started to like feel the pressure of, of a budget. Oh wow! You know, because it'll just there's just there's just a drastic change in the way that it looks, the way that it feels, the pacing, everything, Mm -hmm. and um, and oftentimes, believe it or not, like you're talking about, like the ending of the movie or whatever. In a perfect world, you're not shooting the ending of your movie up front. You usually try to wait to shoot the end of the movie at the end of the film because it's a big deal, and you don't want your actors to jump into the big conclusion right off the bat from a from a process standpoint, and so. Because of that, sometimes the ending of the movie is changed because there's not enough money to finish it the way they wanted to finish it. Mm. Yeah, that uh, you know, it it kind of it kind of makes you it makes you think a, a little bit about to um, you know just when you're when you're seeing something yeah. and you're like, okay, this was a, an award winning script, or I read this script, you know, before it was made that just. You, there's something you want to happen doesn't mean that's necessarily going to happen you know mm-hmm. once you once you get into the process right yeah it's a big collaboration you know and you know ultimately at the end of the day my job as a line producer um doesn't necessarily involve a whole lot of creative input um but i've kind of made my name a name for myself a little bit by obviously being able to contribute contribute creatively to the process from a financial perspective. And so when you collaborate with directors on like, well, you know, I can't, ex- I can't afford this massive car explosion, but maybe we can do something like this that gets you somewhere close. And all of a sudden people are like, oh man, well, that's cool. That's awesome. And you know, you know how much that costs. So you can present it in a, in, in a way that isn't going to ruffle any feathers, you know? And so being able to understand that process really helps out. Well, and sometimes, you know, there are scenarios where it actually works out better so maybe most famously is jaws right 
Like they, they're shooting Jaws and they couldn't get the shark to work and they're having yeah. all these huge, huge problems. And so they basically shoot the movie, most of the movie, without the shark. And it's the tension and it's the suspense right. of, and the right. anticipation that the shark is going to get you that makes, you know, that makes yeah. that particular film instead of seeing the shark in the entire movie. So, yeah, it can end up bad, but <laughs> at the same time, okay, if it's done creat- creatively well, you know, yeah. it can turn out really good. As, <clears throat> that, that's what everybody usually says to themselves at the end of those meetings with me when it's not going good. And they're like, well, there was Jaws. And you're like, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, and my- so you're in those meetings and they say that, and then you say, no, that's garbage. So, so Michael, I have a question for you. So you hear so, so often from directors or actors as they watch a movie it changes things for them. Like they're watching, for example, Avatar. And as a director watching Avatar, who isn't James Cameron, you might think, oh, I should have, he could have done it this way. As a line producer, are you watching films with that, with that lens as well? Or is it, or are you able to still enjoy films? Um, I mean, yes, you enjoy films, but do you watch it with a different right. lens being so like entrenched in the film process? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think every person that's that that contributes to a film probably watches it through their own unique lens mm-hmm. um i'm actually very much removed from the everyday onset minute by minute process um and you know because of just the general nature of my my job I, i'm bird's eye view and making sure that things are all in place from you know <clears throat> from way up there and so i'm not on set as much as you know some other people are uh, and so I don't get to see like every single little problem that goes wrong, you know, within a take or whatever the case may be. Um, but, you know, you kind of look at it the way that I feel like as a line producer sometimes is like you look back and you recognize those moments that somebody wanted something mm-hmm. and we weren't able to do it a certain way. And when it ends up being recognizable, like as maybe it didn't turn out good because of that, that's when it hurts the most. Right. Like, oh, because you're like, man, I, I know that this was the thing that we really wanted to do. And that would have been the thing that was needed in order to make this moment better. And we couldn't do it because of money. Right. Yeah. And then you start to kind of be like, oh, well, I mean, in some way, shape or form, it's my fault because I said you couldn't do it. <laughs> uh, but that's just that's my job. You know, yeah. it's I'm I'm hired to to make those decisions. And that's, you know, comes with the comes with the territory, I suppose. Well, and no one ever sets out or intends to make a bad movie or to make bad decisions in a film mm-hmm. so that things aren't the way they want it to be. It's, right. it's, it's the process, the literal collaborative process of, you know, doing it, you know, now if you're, you know, making an animated film, you can blow up anything you want, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Just draw it. Uh, now some animator's going to call in or send us an email and be like, <laughs> that, is, that, that is wrong. It's not that easy. <laughs> yes. I understand that there is a lot more to it than that. Maybe that wasn't the best example in the world. <laughs> right. Don't send me hate mail, animators. But just to say that, you know, something like that, like animation, can be simpler because you're not necessarily worrying about a special effects no. budget or whatever, right. whatever it might whatever else it might be. So, you know, all yeah. that being said, you you're obviously, you know, talking very much about the business side of it and what it takes to get projects done. But you're also creative as well. You're also a director and a writer. And you've got a film, uh, A Taste of Love, that uh, mm-hmm. will be coming out uh, hopefully sometime 2023. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about that film? Who's in it? What it's, what's it about? And kind of what you, what you did there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so A Taste of Love uh, was kind of a, a, you know, a family-friendly romantic comedy um, that was born here in St. Petersburg, Clearwater, my business, business uh, 
my business um, partner and I uh, decided to kind of take a crack at a film like that, a script like that, after some conversations with Tony and seeing some other projects that we're shooting in the area. And so we put this film together called A Taste of Love, like based off of, uh, uh, or excuse me, it's centered all around uh, food because I'm a big foodie. And, um, you know, and starring Aaron Cahill and uh, Jesse Cove and Marty Cove from uh, uh, Cobra Kai and Karate Kid back in the day. Aaron Cahill, and, uh, the Power Ranger, right? What's that? She, she was the Power Ranger. Yeah, that's, Aaron yeah, Cahill. absolutely. Power, yep. yeah. Power Ranger and now basically a, a Hallmark Channel star. Like yeah. she yep. actually just signed an exclusive deal with Hallmark, I think, a few oh, months wow. ago where they've locked her in and said, and I think, Mike, this is congratulations to you you got the deal for her essentially <laughs> they saw that she was making a film that was not in the hallmark family and they're like we don't want her doing anything outside the hallmark family and so it kind of i think because of a taste of love they're like we're gonna we're gonna lock her in so she can so she can only do only do those uh those hallmark hallmark films hey well there you go um but yeah and so and you know and so we ended so we we wrote this script and and it actually got shelved for a little while um and then you know, uh, COVID hit and an opportunity came up um, to uh, take it off the shelf and, uh, you know, and kind of blow the dust off. And and Tony at the time was uh, looking at, uh, you know, kind of doing something unique and very different with the business model here in St. Pete Clearwater, um, uh, the film commission. And I uh, was looking at a couple different scripts that uh, that kind of stood out in regards to, you know, really highlighting specific areas in St. Petersburg, Clearwater, this particular place was um, Dunedin, um, and really just kind of making it, for lack of a better term, a movie that was pretty much a commercial for the area. And every single little location that we had in this script uh, was was uh, organically a restaurant, uh, some place of business, all within this uh, very you know small area called Dunedin and absolutely beautiful on the water, everything like that. And so the script worked out. It just was perfect timing and it fit that business model. And and so we had the opportunity to uh, partner with the St. Petersburg Clearwater Film Commission to make the movie and um, and bring it to life. And so uh, once we got that approved, we kind of raised the rest of the financing, um, which was, uh, you know, was, was was a little process. And then we casted it and for the first time, uh, my business partner and I, Conrad, we got to direct uh, a feature film, which was really cool. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Congrats. And that's, you know, um, circling it back to Dallas a little bit, that's, you know, one of the things I want to do here in Dallas mm-hmm. is make films like that that really highlight Dallas and highlight this community mm-hmm. in this area, you know, using that business model that um, that I know is successful and, and doing that kind of and doing that kind of thing here. So, Mike, talk a little bit about the process of, so you directed commercials, you'd line produced you'd produced, you directed short films, you know, you've written a lot of projects, but this was directing your first feature, you know, going into this, you know, what did you, what did you expect? And then mm-hmm. what didn't you expect that, yeah. uh, you know, that you kind of learned in that process as a first time feature director? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because I had been around movie sets and you know how the process works. And so, It's hard because you get, I got you got multiple hats on, right? And so, <clears throat> the biggest thing was learning how to take off the hat of a producer and line producer, and let your team do that, and focus on just being the director, because 
you kind of default by nature to things that, you know, might not necessarily push the creative envelope because you know that it's a big ask of financially or whatever the case may be. And so you kind of like in the beginning, you're like, oh, no, no, I, I, I completely understand that that's difficult. So we'll go a different direction. But as a director, it's important to understand that stuff because it only helps you at the end, you know, um, but you still have to be able to fight for what you believe in because it's your story. It's your it's your process. And if it's not if, if you're not present and you're not fighting for it, then it's going to lack the soul um, that it needs in order to be a good and successful film. And so learning how to take off those hats and let my team do that and focus on just specifically the directing part of it uh, was probably the biggest, hmm. biggest learning curve. So, so I have a question for you. Um, we we're in touch with a lot of local filmmakers here in Dallas being the film commission, obviously. And one of the things I hear a lot is it's harder to make a feature film than it is to make a, or it's harder to make a short film than it is to make a feature film. Do you agree with that? And maybe talk about like the big differences between, um, making a short film versus a feature. Yeah. I, I, you know, there's no, there's no specific answer for any, you know, any approach, every project is different. And so I don't know from what perspective somebody's saying it's difficult, more difficult to make a short mm -hmm. film than a feature film. They might be saying, Hey, I have only $1 to my name. Yeah. And this feature <laughs> film over there has $200,000. I could do so much with $200,000. And you can't argue that maybe in their own respect that that's right. Right. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you know, to say that a short film is harder than a feature film is, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's accurate because um, mm -hmm. there's just a, and, and it depends on the size of the feature film too, but there's so many variables and we could spend a lot of time diving into those variables there, but it just depends on what you have access to. Yeah, Some I'm, people I'm... don't need a single dollar because they have a lot of good friends that are in the industry. Yeah, um, They've got the equipment, they already own it, and they have access to good actors, whether they're recognizable or not. That they can come together and just really have fun and make this thing over a period of a week or two. Yeah, um, I'm, gonna, people... I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna agree with you on that one. You know, 100, percent. You know, I and and like you said, is it harder for somebody to make a short film because they're trying to make a fifty thousand dollar short film mm -hmm. and there's no way that their investors will ever make their money back? Uh, or you know, it's you make a you make a feature film. Oh, you've got the money because you have the investors, whatever. Because there's a a plan or a path to making their money back, and so you know when you make that, it's easier. But even from a logistical standpoint, you know, you shoot a short film in a week or three days or four days or whatever it might be, as opposed to twenty days with a month of pre production. Like feature films, way harder. Yeah, you know, right, like, right. From that perspective, and and you know, and define success as well, right? Like you know, uh, a short film. Um, you know, is you know, in in its very nature, is designed to probably showcase an idea and probably showcase the director's ability and or the crew members and actors, right? But it's not necessarily financially responsible to anybody, usually because people know that they're going to put money into it and they're not going to get any money back. Um, a feature film has the burden most of the time of having to be successful. And if it's not successful, that means somebody loses lots of money, um, which is its own thing. Yeah. And, and that's something, you know, that if you have an investor that loses money on a project, the problem is after that, they're not going to put any money mm -hmm. into another project. That's the, that's the big thing. You, you know, you, right. you've basically taken that investor out of the independent film world investor pool 
that could have benefited the industry or benefited somebody else because they're like, ah, you know what? I did that once. I lost a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars or whatever it might be. Right. I'm good. I don't need to, I don't need yeah. to do that again. I, I had some fun with it. I'm going to go buy some real estate and, you know, <laughs> throw this in a 401k or something instead, because right. I know I'm getting some money back there. So, you know, over the years you've, you've, uh, you know, worked on a lot of stuff and really, you know, kind of built up, uh, built up your career, worked with a variety of actors and different people and things like that. Um, you know, Kevin Smith on Kilroy was here and that, uh, that particular film, which, I don't know what the business model was for that coming out. I, I thought I saw somewhere that there was going to be some sort of release for that. I'm not sure where or what that is or what he's doing. He's doing with that. But what was that like working with uh, with Mr. Smith, uh, good old Kevin Smith, on that film? You know, the renowned yeah. independent filmmaker. He was just yeah. And, and Kevin Smith is, is is awesome. He's an amazing guy. The film was actually the first film to be released. And purchasable or watchable. I don't, I'm going to butcher this a little bit, but with like Bitcoin, with ele- you know, with electronic currency, or wow. you know, yeah, that's it's something to those tunes there. So it's 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 out there and available to watch. You know, if you if you have Bitcoin or Litecoin or whatever those million other coins that are out. There. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, Kevin Smith was absolutely amazing. It was, he's the biggest director that I ever worked with, and. Um, it was really cool to see somebody of that caliber, you know, you know, in their own little world and and see their process. And he had 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 agreed to originally do Kilroy was here as a short film for uh, Ringling College down in Sarasota. And it turned into I think he you know, he enjoyed the process so much so that he turned it into a feature like movie by essentially shooting this thing in three segments. Um, so he come he came down three times. So we essentially shut down or ramped up, shot, shut down three times in order to make this feature film, um, which is its own weird thing. Uh, but yeah, it came together and it was really, it was uh, really cool. And it was really cool to see him and his team work and such a laid back person, um, which sometimes you don't get with directors. And he was able to pull magic out of the air just because he is who he is. And yeah. I, really I like, I was on set, you know, a little bit for that particular one and you know, he'd be shooting and the DP would set up the shots and everything. And, be like, you want to take a look? He would take a look and be like, it's perfect. It's wonderful. It's great. Let's go. Let's shoot it. You know? And it, he would yeah. just, he would just rely on the DP to set up the shot and do the whole, okay. you know, make it okay. I trust you. I trust it's going to look good. Right. Yeah. Let's go. Let's roll. Yeah. And he was shout out to Brandon, to Brandon Hyde, who was the DP on those there. Uh, he did a great job putting it together. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon definitely did a good job, a good job yeah. on those, uh, on that pro on that project. And he's done a lot of stuff over the years. You've worked, you worked with him a lot on, uh, the Bernie, the dolphin films uh, that, that were shot there as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we kind of we kind of came up together. Uh, I first time I met Brandon was going back to your your foot in the door into this whole world here. I, I answered a uh, a Facebook message of somebody saying they needed a gaffer for a short film, um, and uh, I knew how to move lights, and so I thought <laughs> I was a, you know I didn't I didn't think I was a gaffer, but I said yeah, let's do this. I can I can make it happen, and uh, so I gaffed my first movie, and that's how I met Brandon Hyde, and that was at the very beginning of my career. Yeah. Well, and it's funny, you know, earlier on, you had mentioned how you went to film school, and that's where you and I met. I was actually your your professor, your instructor at uh, at the Art Institute in, yeah, uh, in yeah. Tampa. So, yeah. so talk yeah. to me about 
did uh, the difference between Tony Professor and Tony Film Commissioner. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew wants the like the, the inside skinny now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he came in. He, he didn't really have a whole lot to do with. Uh, he didn't know a whole lot, um, but you know, he just kind of did his own thing. Like, <laughs> he played the no, no. He was, he, you know, it was interesting. I'm not trying to. To, to you know I had to, I had to tread lightly here but he was one of the best professors or hands down the best professor at the school and I we connected because I under I knew right off the bat that he understood the process he wasn't just kind of like I don't know faking the funk a little bit read some books or maybe shot a commercial or two and then that was it um and at the time I had already started my company and I was actually making money shooting commercials when I went to film school and so when somebody came in and actually knew what they were talking about and what he specifically taught was producing, um, which was, I believe, a new class at the time. Right, Tony, I think you had they had hired you to kind of to head this process. Yeah. You know, I did. Um, I taught producing. I did like some um, some sort of film history class stuff as well. You know, right, that was and, the second class you did, yeah. Yeah, and I I did a few different a few different other other ones uh, on some other topics, but kind of producing was my you know sort of right. my main my main thing that I taught there because I approached it from the perspective of oh I've made stuff like actually made stuff so right. this is how the business side actually works and the interesting right. the, the interesting thing about Mike like coming into school there too it's not like he was an eighteen year old kid like you'd already been in the navy for five years and like had gotten right. out of the navy like you were an you were an adult person uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, was, I was an adult yeah, yeah. so it is interesting going back to school um you know and i got i got a good amount out of it but yeah yeah and that's and that's the thing is it now I, I i recognized uh, from the producing side of things that this was something that i didn't know and so uh i, I think i approached him afterwards you know, me and everything that I have done. And I, 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 I'm pretty sure, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, Tony, but I was like, listen, man, I really respect you. And just let me know. I'll get you coffee if you want me to, man. But I just, I, I, uh, I like what you contributed and I would love to learn more, you know? Um, yeah. and, and I think it was, so it's the, the mutual admiration society today, apparently on, uh, on the podcast <laughs> here, because I recognized right away, you know, the work that you turned in when it was shooting, when you were shooting stuff that you were clearly already far and above like what it, what you would call a typical film student, you were already, you know, working in the industry, you know, making stuff, doing stuff. And so it was obvious that you were going to, you were going to do more. Um, and it was cool and fun just to, and I, it's hard to believe, was that 10 years ago, 11 years ago, something like that? Was that like 2012, 2013? Yeah. Yeah. I, I had got out of the military in 2007 and I think it was right around 2000. I'd started my, I started my company in 2012 and almost immediately after that or when yeah right around there 2012 2013 yeah so it was it was good I think, I think i think yeah i think it was good it doesn't seem like it's been it's been that long um yeah. because i recognized you know uh you know again you connect on a little bit of a different level because i wasn't talking to like you know, 18 or 20 year old students, you know, Mike was, you know, an adult who'd, who'd, who'd lived life and, you know, <laughs> had, was running a company, a making, Navy. making a living, was in the Navy. And so, you know, we could connect as friends and not just as, you know, sort of a professor to student kind of thing. And so it was great to then start working with you on projects and putting things together, you know, like the Bernie the Dolphin films and um, that first, uh, that first feature film that you shot um <laughs> that yeah. that was an interesting story um yeah. but that we won't get into in a in a public forum but that's uh that's all right that's uh <laughs> we, for for offline you know offline yeah. kind of stuff but oh, i yeah. guess you know so what do you got to, what do you got coming up 
next? You know, obviously, Taste of Love is going to be coming out uh, later this year, but that's done. You know, it's po- post-production. The film's done. You know, you've moved on for that. Now it's really just waiting for the sales team to do their thing and for that movie to come out. Um, but what, you know, what do you what do you see next? Not just, you know, work-wise, mm-hmm. but career, career-wise. What are you, what are you moving mm-hmm. on to? Yeah. Um, so, like I mentioned, which brings me to you was a film that I, that's the most recent film that I line produced. That's in post right now. Um, we just recently locked picture. Uh, <clears throat> so that'll be, that'll be kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's getting close to being finished. And uh, Peter Hutchings um, is the director of that and Brian and Claude are the producers of that. Um, you know, I think they've got, they've got quite a bit um, that they're excited about in 2023. And uh, we really are a good team. So I have a feeling that uh, something uh, will probably pop up um, from that team, um, you know, pr- around mid- mid-year time frame is usually when I start to get uh, feelers. And then, you know, and then a couple of other uh, people that I work with have hit me up and said they got some stuff on the horizon. And so they usually have conversations with me early because I come on board early and, you know, and then I, and then you just kind of let them do their thing in order, you know, until they get the green light. Um, and so from that's the line producing side and, you know, and from the creative side, um, I'm going to be, there's a couple of scripts that I'm looking at right now, but for the first time ever in my career, I will probably be looking to purchase option, purchase a script and take, uh, take a project from, I mean, it's early conception. If the script is good all the way through delivery. And so I've produced on multiple levels, but I've never, I've never been the lead producer in charge of literally taking a project from paper to film to distribution. Um, and so I'm betting a few projects to see which one I want to kind of, I want to be my debut, but that's what's, that's what uh, I'm looking forward to in 2023. That's, that's fun. That's, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. You and I, you yeah. and I will talk more about that. We've talked a little, little already, but Bring it yeah, to yeah. More more, converse, <laughs> more conversations on that, and yeah, and absolutely, yeah, like yeah. what we're we gonna do to shoot that, shoot that thing in Dallas. And you need yeah. to you need to uh, update the IMDb, which brings me to you. Uh, they don't have you listed on the IMDb yet. You need to go in there and make some edits and uh, add yeah. your, add yourself to that thing. I need, I need to add myself on there. I know. Sometimes now, did you you line to produce that one as well? Line produce that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Add yourself there. Yeah. You gotta have those yeah. up to date credits. Well, and so most it's interesting. Time, most of the IMDB stuff you you add yourself for the most part. No, it's true. Yeah, it's it's true. And IMDB is weird like that in that it's literally the everyone uses it as the resume for people. And it's so wildly incredibly inaccurate at times. And and yet yeah. it's considered yeah. gospel too, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's the truth. I mean, a lot of times people just literally like, oh, okay, uh, so you're interested in doing X, Y, and Z, and the first thing they do is look on IMDb and they look up all your credits. I mean, it's a very good way to to show what you've done, but you know, most of the time, especially on indie films, if you have the production office bandwidth, there's somebody that's adding people to it, but majority of the time, somebody just creates the banner and then everybody goes on and adds themselves. Yeah, you know, that's kind of the thing. Every, that's why you know. You know, if you look at the cast on a lot of a lot of indie films, like every single extra is on there because those extras are on there on IMDb, adding themselves as extras on every single film. Do you think that you think the production manager is going in and adding every single extra into into, into, into for that film? So it's like, wow, this is so detailed. They they have a hundred extras in yeah. here, and the production yeah. manager added every single person. Isn't that amazing? No, right. they, they did it yeah. themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so so are you looking to direct more in the new year as yeah. well? 
I, I think so with the right projects. I, you know, I, I really, I really do appreciate the producing contribution from a creative producing side of things. Mm-hmm. I'll always love the business aspect of it because that's, I think it's just kind of my, it's where I naturally just gravitate towards being just the way my brain works. Um, but the creative side of like curating, curating projects and like choosing what you want to define yourself with is an interesting aspect to me. Like these are the type of projects that I want to help make happen. And so producing is going to probably be where I spend most of my time. Um, but if something, you know, comes across the table or if I write something, because I do enjoy writing, mm-hmm. um, and I've got a few scripts actually that I've written, uh, with my business partner, Conrad, um, but if those, you know, kind of go somewhere, maybe they will, then, you know, at that point, I'd love to dive back into directing. Nice. Well, awesome. Well, Mike, thank you for joining us today on the yeah. Dallas Film and Creative Industries our podcast. Our first guest. Yeah, our, our first thank official you. guest. I hope uh, everybody that uh, is listening got something out of it. If you got any mm-hmm. questions or anything, shoot us an email at uh, info at dallascreates.org. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening and tune in for the next episode. And that wraps up another episode of the Dallas Film Commission podcast. We hope you enjoyed this behind-the-scenes journey. We'd like to express our gratitude to our incredible guests who shared their valuable insights and stories with us and all of you. Whether you're a budding filmmaker, an old pro, or a movie enthusiast, Dallas is a place where we make things happen. Be sure to visit the Dallas Film Commission's website for more information, resources, and opportunities to get involved in this thriving industry. Thank you for joining us. Stay tuned for more episodes filled with great guests, inspiring stories, and industry secrets. And cut. Thank you.